Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Um, I have been learning a little bit of that in my personal life because many of y'all know I've been sharing I herniated a disc. I am now in therapy. How many of y'all have ever gone to physical therapy? How many of you would just say, hold your hands up, I want to see. But you really did physical therapy. You didn't really halfway did it. You did it. Let me just see. All right, I am learning to do that. I have learned in physical therapy. I have learned what I did that set my injury up. I am strengthening my muscles around the the disc so that it doesn't happen again, and I am learning to do stretches. Stretches. I'm doing stretches. How many of y'all have ever done stretches? I have been shamed into doing stretches. Can you tell I'm passionate about stretches? That's all we're doing right now in the house. Beth comes in, are you stretching? When we get up in the morning, are you stretching? We can move on now. And uh, I am learning that um, I am having to humble myself to step into that. Can I just say, uh, humility is kind of a good thing. And when I go into physical therapy, here's the cool thing. They're inspiring me to, what do you think they're inspiring me to do? Stretch. You got it. You got it. And in fact, when you go in there in this space, they have all these sort of motivational, have have you all seen these motivational posters that are supposed to inspire you. I want to show you some of these. Some of these actually are in the place. Motivation. Don't get discouraged. It is often the last key in the bunch that opens the lock. Do you feel inspired right now? Right? Here's, here's, an, here's another one. Success. Success is a journey, not a destination. It sounds a little like if you love something, set it free. If it comes back. What does that even mean, right? Here, here's another one. This might be my favorite. Determination. Desire is the key to motivation. But it's determination and commitment to an unrelenting pursuit of your goal. A commitment to excellence that will enable you to attain the success you seek. I can feel inspiration just <laughs> coming in there. Uh, I, somebody turned me on to the, yeah, with these motivational. How many of you all have seen the demotivation posters? <laughs> These are, this is better. Let me show you these. Okay, this will get us going. Dreams. Dreams are like rainbows. Only idiots chase them. (laughs) Come on, right? If they would hang this in my physical therapy place, I would do more stretches. (laughs) Stretches. Here's another one. Ambition. The journey of a thousand miles sometimes ends very, very badly. (laughs) My God. I, I just, I love that so much. Here's, here's, here's my absolute favorite, though, this one. Believe in yourself because the rest of us think you're an idiot. <laughs> Sometimes it's just good to feel good about yourself, right? Doesn't matter what else is going on. And uh, I was thinking about this uh, in light of what I want to talk to you about today. Um, here's what I, I think is a truism uh, in life. Here's a truism in life. Uh, that which is... Uh, most important and most meaningful in your life carries with it a corresponding level of difficulty. 
Uh, rarely are the things that are most important in your life just given to you. Have you noticed that? Uh, for those of us uh, in the room or listening online, if you have ever, uh, say you went to school and you, you wanted to launch into a career, part of that career involved you know, going to school and you, you did that, um, the, the key to that success is also matched in the level of complexity and difficulty and challenge to accomplish a goal. Uh, for those of us who are here today and say we're in the trades and uh, you put in the sweat equity to learn and become proficient at a trade, uh, the success you feel is in some ways measured by the difficulty to accomplish that. If we're going to be physically healthy human beings, I mean, there's a cost associated with eating right, uh, exercising, and doing stretches. It's just true. Um, if you want your marriage to work, you got to lean in on your marriage. If you want your parenting to work, you got to lean in on your parenting. If you want to have friends, you got to learn how to be a friend. Uh, and I, I think because of that, here's what I've learned in my own experience. It makes all of that, in a way, complicated. It's just complicated. And uh, I think when we think about this right now, when we, th- we think about building community in our lives, stepping out of a circle, getting, or, or out of a row, getting into a circle, there's an extra almost level of complication because our world is like on fire right now, right? I mean, if I connect with people, I might be asked to share my treatise on the next social thing. I might have to defend something. I might, I might say something that offends somebody. I might, it just, it's super complicated. I was thinking about that. Even this week, some of you might have received an email that you thought was me. Somebody was impersonating me and sending emails out to people in our church uh, asking me, uh, it, would, it was like me asking you to, to get gift cards. Some of you started texting me and said, hey, uh, P. Diddy, did, did you ask me for that? And here's what I would tell you. I would never write solicit anybody for money or gift cards. Br- Braves tickets and barbecue... Maybe, okay, maybe, but you got to have your priorities right. Um, it's just complicated. Uh, several weeks ago, I, I was, uh, or a while back, I was, um, got up in this space to preach a message, and I saw back in that corner, I thought I saw a guy that lives in our neighborhood, and he, um, you know, I, I just, I thought it was him, and I thought we made eye contact, and we don't even know each other. He's at the very front of my street. I live in a long street. I'm kind of maybe halfway or a little past halfway on the street, and so we just see each other very occasionally. He's been in the neighborhood a long time, and so uh, when I was driving home, Beth and I, after church, we went and got a bite to eat. We're coming uh, into the neighborhood. I, I pull in around the corner, and there he is in his front yard, and I go whipping right up to him in my truck roll the window down, and I said, hey, man, it was great to see you this morning. And he goes, you saw me this morning? And I thought, that's kind of a weird response. I thought we had had a little eye contact, you know, and I said, um, yeah, I, 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 thought I, I, saw, I thought I saw you at church this morning. And he goes, wasn't me. <laughs> now, let me just ask you a question. How do you extract yourself from that 
how do you how do you back out of that in a way that saves any kind of face at all, right? It was you can't. You can't. You ever done anything like that where you know like you're getting on a plane, hey, they say have a nice flight, you go you too and you realize they're not flying. You know, there's that one of those weird weird moments. Uh, you ever text the wrong person? Thank you. It's therapeutic even to know that, that I'm not the only one. A while back, I text Beth. We'd not seen each other all day. A lot of times uh, in our season of life, I don't know if you guys do this, wherever we show up together, it's usually in different cars. Anybody else do that? And so I hadn't seen her all day, and we were planning. We had nothing that night. And she texted me, and she said, stop by the store. We need, some, we need a couple of things for salad. Get some potatoes, I'll see them. So I, I was, man, I got through with an appointment early. I text her and I said, hey, sweetheart. I said, um, I, I will go to the store. I'll get the salad. I'll get the potatoes. Haven't seen you all day. Love you. Got a big kiss waiting for you. <laughs> That's how you get it done, man. Write that down. And I, I didn't actually text Beth. <laughs> I, I text Brandon, my son-in-law. And what do, you, what do you all think he did? He, he texts me right back and he goes, hey, great, sweetheart, you got the salad, you got the potatoes, we can skip the kiss. And so I kicked him out of the church and said, you go start your own campus, you're out, get out. The things that are most important in our lives there's not necessarily a clear path to them. Uh, but here's what I want to say. There are things in this life that are worth it and that are worth fighting for. They're just worth fighting for. Uh, we are living, if you haven't figured it out yet, right? We are living in a cynical age where um, almost it would appear, it would appear important word, as though nothing matters anymore. This is our existential moment. Ah, oh, what does it matter? And I want to I wanna be on this stage, and, and if you're listening to my voice, I want to put a stake in the ground and say, hey, there is stuff that matters. And you will get to the end of your human experience and you will look back on your life and you will do an assessment of how you lined up what matters. Years ago, I read a study uh, uh, offered to us by a man by the name of Tony Campolo and he gathered a group of 50, 90-year-old individuals. And he asked them, he said, if you had to do your life over again, what would you do? And so you began to collate all the answers that came in and people that responded, those 50, 90-year-olds said things like this. If I had to do my life over again, I'd reflect more. I'd think more about what I'm doing. I'd have my head in the game a little bit more. Uh, they also said this, I would, um, I would risk more. I would sort of just up the challenge quotient 
in my life, and I would actually live my life, this is what was underneath it, as though there are some things important and worth giving attention to. And then thirdly, they said this, I I would endeavor, this was so cool, I would endeavor to do more things that will live on after I'm gone. Stuff matters. Uh, and this morning, um, we're, we're coming to an end of a series we've been talking about, uh, about community. Now, here's the challenge on my end of the stage, on this side of the stage. My challenge is to offer fresh material around a topic that we discuss every 365 days. We just, we lean in, we push in. And so just like I was saying up on the, uh, on the upfront, uh, my goal really is to teach and challenge and encourage and inspire. And I have a passage of scripture I want us to look at uh, this morning that I think is super relevant for the day. And, and what I want to do in this space now is this is what I would think about in this moment. We're going to all put our thinking caps on together and we're going we're gonna to go to level two in this scripture. I don't want to I don't want to just glide over it. I think there's some really, really important things embedded within, within this uh, centered around a particularly important cultural moment for them that I think has some similarities for our cultural moment. And it happens uh, in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is a book that uh, is in the back half of the New Testament. It's a unique book. It's one of the books in the New Testament that was written with a very, very clear purpose. Uh, The author of the book of Hebrews is unknown to us. We don't know who it is. We don't know if it was a male or a female, but they were were entering into this space in their cultural moment, and there were some things that they were saying that were important, and they were were saying this in a moment uh, that was uh, filled with all kinds of anxiety and tension, not necessarily unlike maybe some of the moment we're having right now. But here's the thing I want you to, to think about. Rather than their moment being... The, the residue or the wake of a pandemic culture, their, their moment was filled with the real life potential of authentic persecution out of which people were losing their lives if they declared faith in Christ. Now, by, by the way, I loved how Pastor Trevor had us pray for the persecuted church because right now there are places in the world right now where people are probably doing in some form what we're doing right now, but here's the thing. They take their life in their own hands to do it. We're not in that space. Thank God we're not in that space, but other brothers and sisters are in that space. And the brothers and sisters in this biblical time that I want to draw you to were in that space. And as a result of all of that tension, here's what was happening. Some people were stepping back. They were going, you know what? Maybe this whole Jesus thing, maybe we just need to kind of chill on that just a little bit. Maybe, maybe let's go back to some of those older ritualistic forms of religion that we were doing that didn't cause such an uproar. Maybe, maybe we would do that. And here's the interesting thing. The, the writer, rather than affirming that, says basically what I just said to you a few moments ago, which is this. Some things in life are worth defending, standing for, and even if it comes to that, fighting for. So in that backdrop, here's what I would tell you, and here's what I would read to you. This is Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Here's, here's what they said. Therefore, 
Start with the word therefore. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance of faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up, not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, and that is the day of Christ approaching. I was reading recently by uh, uh, something by... uh, a Harvard medical researcher, I believe her name is Jacqueline Olds, and she made an interesting observation about our society right now. This is, this is what she says. She says, America is, seems to be in the midst of a loneliness epidemic. How many of you would agree? And the isolation is even undermining our health, she goes on. It's interesting that our seeming obsession with the most intimate details of complete strangers and with the rise of social platforms and reality television all of which is merely another horrible manifestation of our own isolation. She goes on. When we lack meaningful circles of people we're getting to know well, gossiping and carrying on about the lives of complete strangers is an unhealthy way to fill the gap. Fire. She's on to something. And uh, I think this is an important moment for us to remember what's most important for your faith. And, and I think every one of us, wherever we are, has to figure out our next step and we have to take it by God's grace. We have to take it. And so the writer of the book of Hebrews uh, is challenging us around some really important things. Now, I wanna, and I wanna walk us through this. So we're gonna put on our thinking caps. We're gonna do some learning together. He begins with a simple word. He uses the word, therefore. And we always say, Community of Hope, right, whenever you run across a therefore in the New Testament, you should take a hot minute to learn what it's, say it with me, therefore, okay? And I, I think what he's, what he's saying, he's, he's summarizing, or she's summarizing, and, and they begin with the word therefore, which I think is connective tissue back to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. I want to show it to you. And he says that the, the law is only a shadow, they write of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifice or repeat an endless year after year make perfect or whole those who draw near to worship. What's he saying there? Or what's she saying there? Here's what I believe the author is saying. The residue of remembered religion and inherited faith does not work. It doesn't work. I don't, I don't think it ever worked. If it, if it does work, uh, it leaks very quickly. And so, you know, you and I just kind of becoming an automaton, just thinking about our faith, just sort of going on autopilot, doing this stuff, it'll never work. The circumstances of our own dilemma and our own moment will overtake every single time that kind of faith. It must be fresh. It must be real. It must be authentic. And that's what the writer is saying. So he's drawing his attention to that. And then I think it connects back to verses 19 through 21, and I want you to see it. So therefore, 
for then? Because that never worked. Right, that, because that never worked, he says, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, he says three things. I want to give them to you. Super powerful. And every one of them is couched in this phrase, let us. Say it with me. Let us. Say it again. Let us. Say it dignified. Let us. And this is what he says. Let us, first of all, he says, draw near. Let us draw near. And here's what I want to point out. He's, or she, either, either one, the author is um, drawing attention to one of the most powerful moments in our Lord's history in his crucifixion. And if you've ever read the gospel accounts, you know that when when Jesus was crucified in that very powerful moment when he stretched out on a Roman cross and he breathes his last breath, when he does that and he yells the words to Telestai or it is finished, the veil of the temple rips from the top to the bottom, signifying, I mean, it gives me goosebumps, signifying that because of the blood of Jesus, you are free to enter in to the holy of holies. We get in. We get access. Not your goodness. Not your goodness. His greatness. Right? And so the writer is just giving us sort of a cryptic inference on that and and I don't want to pass over that because here's, here's what I would tell you. We, we just live in this moment where I think we're just so used to everything. Nothing kind of impresses us anymore. This is incredibly impressive because we have access. Um, I was thinking about this as a way lower, smaller example. So just kind of run with me if you don't really understand what's going on. You ever, you ever, um, you ever gone to a concert and you, get, uh, you have an all-access pass to kind of get in? Uh, I last year uh, we were in Tennessee, and I surprised my wife. I took her to the Grand Ole Opry, and uh, there it is, Grand Ole Opry. And my, my wife, she wanted to go there. I said, "We're going, baby. We're going to the Grand Ole Opry." And we went to the Grand Ole Opry, and here's what she didn't know: I bought, I bought like backstage passes to the Grand Ole Opry, which included this moment. You're going to love it, of us on stage in the circle. Right, and if you know anything about country music, that like people are just they're wanting to be able to be in the circle, and this is our moment. We're in the circle. It's a powerful moment till the photographer goes, "All right, next, <laughs> Cole, get out of the way." I'm kind of lingering. I'm leaving my foot on the circle, dragging it. And this is what this is really, in a way, what the author is saying. And I want you to notice what he says here in verse 22. Can we go to that, Lynn? Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. And with full assurance. I talk to people all the time. Can I get in? Guess what? You can get in. I mean, some people point at me and go, you got in? I know I can get in. That faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from, go on, Lynn, a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. You have access 
challenge of our day really isn't do we have access. The challenge of our day is do you understand what that means and do you want to get in? Jesus' greatest desire is to be with his people. You're his people. Isn't that awesome? You got invited. And then the author says, um, let us hold unswervingly. Remember the context. They were, um, they were stepping back from their faith. Why? Because it was scary. People were being hauled out of homes. People were being uh, assaulted. Some people were being killed. Same thing that goes on in certain parts of our world. And I, I, I take note that the author doesn't lean back and, and say, that's ah, all right. Do, he doesn't, I want you to notice here, he doesn't say, hey, do the best you can. So he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises faithful. And again, notice what he's doing here. It's not our, it's not our goodness. It's his faithfulness. Praise God. Uh, hold unswervingly is an interesting phrase. We don't use that really in our, in our culture. We don't use it. It, it. it literally means this, to be steadfast, never looking left or right. Focused. When uh, our younger daughter Haley or Shelly was in sixth grade, I went uh, with her trip to Washington, D.C., and there was this moment where we visited. I want to show it. You, some of us have seen it. We visited this. How many of you all know what that is? It's in our culture. It's one of the sacred places of our culture, right? You got sacred place like Grand Ole Opry for country music. This is sacred place for our country. And, and it was amazing. Still yet when we went, even in our weird culture, you know, people were, there was almost a reverence and a silence. And to watch these guys... They don't blink, they don't turn, they don't sneeze. And in fact, if you notice the mat that's laid out for them to walk on, you'll notice a clear line they're wearing out in the center of the mat. This is what the author's saying. You look at Jesus and you focus on him. Why? Because he's faithful. He's there. He's available. There's a lot of temptation out there. Lynn, I think we have a, a quote by John Mark Comer I was reading. Um, he says this, as a pastor, I could tell you countless stories of people who've walked into sin or walked away from God, and it always starts with drifting away from community or never establishing community with other solid followers of Jesus. The devil is just as aware of our need for community as we are, if not more so. And so he uses that awareness to gain the upper hand in the fight, doing all he can to cut us off from community with God's people and with himself. Let us hold unswervingly. Hey, church, this isn't a moment to step back. This is a moment to lean in. This is a moment to lean in. And, and then he ends, the author ends, let us draw near, let us hold unswervingly, let us consider how. 
Like, let's be thinking together. And I want you to notice, let's look at verses 24 and 5, uh, what it says there. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And uh, let us also go on, uh, if you can, to verse 25, not giving up meeting together some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the day long as you see the day approaching. Simple message for today. Some things in life are worth it. You building a community in your life that is focused on Jesus Christ is worth it. And in fact, I would just say this. If you don't do that, there's a part of my spirit that just wants to say to you, good luck. Good luck. How many other examples do we need to see where people played light on that and got enticed and carried away and blew up parts of their life? I don't need another story of that. There are plenty of those. So I'm going to tell you what P. Diddy's going to do. I'm going to keep building circles in my life where people know me, you know, so I can go around town. And many of you will say, are you doing your stretches? (laughs) You know what I mean. Oh, God. Oh, God. Help us. Help us not play light in this area. Um, I think one of the bigger temptations of our day, Lord, is to live isolated Christianity, which I'm not even sure that sounds like an oxymoron. Can you live isolated Christianity? Is isolated Christianity real? I don't know. Help us, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So what if? What if he's what you're looking for? What if he's it? What if he's the one? What if he is at the end of all the searching? It's him. What if he can? What if he will? What if he did? What if he is the one to rescue and redeem and renew and make new and build again and build for the first time? If you've never said yes to Jesus, this is your moment. To say, Jesus, would you would you come into my life? Would you forgive my sin? And that which separates me from you. Would you enter into my life? Would you be my God? Would you be my Savior? Would you forgive me? And then 
my challenge to you is to step into the Christian experience. Step out of anonymity. Step toward him. Hold unswervingly to his promises in this day. He's it. He's the one. He is Jesus. Thank you, God. We declare you above every other name. You are the one. It is you. We don't need to search any longer. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. I have friends.